Welcome to podcast number 11. I'm Larry Casilla from AmmoNYC.com, and today is a special edition. We have two guests in the house. We're at SEMA in Las Vegas. <laughs> what are you doing with your microphone? <laughs> You're freaking me out already. Uh, our first guest is Cameron Watson from Custom Car Care, WAGA. Is that pronounced right? WAGA? That's pronounced right. From Australia. And then, of course, the one, the only, Scotty Perkins from Scotty Shine Shop in London, Ontario. And then also the man on the mic, Chris Hayes, ShoutEngine.com. That would be me. All right, so what we're going to be talking about today is in this special edition is SEMA show. SEMA is the biggest car care show, I guess you would call it, Scotty, in the world. I would think, I would definitely think so. You but can you walk. You just say car show in the world. It's, it's yeah, I guess you, yeah, it's car show in the world. There's everything from window tints to tires to, I don't even know, electronics, rims. shocks, rims. What else? Uh, tiny bobbles that you put in your front window that are powered off the 12 volts. Yes. Know? That uh, random thing yeah, as well. Those, the Chinese booths in the back with stuff that you're like, oh, I could get that out of a vending machine. Yeah. Everything you can possibly imagine that can either go on a car, repair a car, looks like a car, or is a magazine about a car is here. But uh, more focused, we have our car care section. I would say, I don't even know, maybe 10, 15 rows deep of, of car care stuff. At least, at least. Everything from machines you know, vacuums to, you know, products and that sort of thing. So we're going to give a quick overview of that. And, and I think before we start, we should talk about some of the things that you need to do to actually come to SEMA. Because a lot of people email me and say, hey, I want to go to SEMA. I was like, great, and we'll see you there. But you have to have, you can't just walk in. So what, what are the rules? Does anybody know what the actual rule is to get in here? Uh, well, media credentials can be difficult. Uh, I had a little bit of trouble with that, and I would recommend doing it very, very early if you're trying to get in as media. Yeah, that's uh, what I did. I did because of the Drive Channel show and all the videos and whatnot. You have to send a link in, then somebody has to approve it. And then right. once it gets approved, you have to go through all these little steps, and you have to kind of go back on the SEMA website and say, hey, did, did I pass this particular thing? Yep. Okay, I passed this one. Now I'm on this stage. And then you have to kind of keep And sometimes along. even when you do that, I had to get on the phone, and it eventually got to the point where I had to, like, push all the smoking tire and Hooniverse fans at them and go, hey, guys, why aren't you giving Chris media credentials? Yeah, so. it's, it's a little bit difficult. And then you, what do you, buyer international, international buyer? International uh, yeah, buyer? they uh, basically, for me to get uh, credentials, I had to submit, uh, they gave you a bunch of different options, but m mine was a business card, so you had to have a legitimate business card. Mm -hmm. And then uh, an invoice from a supplier. Oh, and really? you had to list the number of suppliers that you deal with that are automotive-based. Um, and you did the same thing? Yep, same thing for me. Yeah, so the long and short of it is you can't, as exciting as it would be to just walk into a regular car show, which I think, by the way, makes this unique and special, is that you just can't walk in off the street, fly in, and say, hey, I'm going to go look and touch all the car things or whatever. It's a little bit more you know, selective, and everybody here who's here has spent money to get here and, and, you know, has particular things to do. So I think that's uh, one thing everybody needs to kind of recognize, that it's not uh, just a show up and look at fancy cars. But you can, I think you can just walk outside, right? You don't need to. Yeah, it's yeah, wide open to the public. Yeah, so there is, uh, what's the guy's name who's doing the drifting? Uh, you got Corey, you got Ken Block, Ken, you got uh, Von Gittin. Von Gittin, that's the guy yeah. we were just watching. He was going crazy out there. It was, yep. uh, I have, uh, I'm shooting a little video that, you guys can uh, watch on the YouTube channel, but he's going nuts. I mean, they must be going through every three laps a set of tires or something. Oh yeah, easily. And it's that, like the cool thing too was is that Ken's out there with his uh, with his uh, Fiesta. 
It's all-wheel drive. It's not even really a Fiesta. It's a shell of a Fiesta. Yeah. It looks and like a Fiesta. They've got a giant tabletop jump in the middle that's probably 50 feet long, and he's jumping that and then can, you know going off of that and then doing like axis spins. It's crazy. Yvonne Gettin is actually like crazy talented. Yeah. I mean, what he's doing in, in the car, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I would love to get a ride. They're giving, uh, what is it, FordRacingSchool.com, I think, is giving, uh, you know, you can go and sit in the car or whatever, but I'd probably be like, gripping the side and freaking out like ah, but you, we can tense. actually probably hook you up with a drift ride later on if you want it i would like that what right. about you i would love that <laughs> but Free i'm drift not, go- I'm not going to ask <laughs> i did that last night i was out with a couple of rally drivers that uh that also double as drifters and um let me put it this way don't get into a car with a pro drifter at 4 a.m in vegas now don't get into a, a car with an aussie who's uh lost as well yeah <laughs> we drove around uh lvh we're at the uh, Las Vegas, at last, we'll try it again, Las, Las Vegas, Vegas Hilton. Hotel. Hilton. It's not hotel? It's, it's the Las, I don't know if they changed the name now, but it used to be just the LVH, Las Vegas Yeah, I just called it LVH. It was the Hilton, now it's the Las Vegas Hotel, and some people call it It's the, the hotel LVH. that's connected to the convention center. That's the key. That's the, last year we stayed at the Riviera, which was very interesting. Uh, I think I'm still taking showers after that, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, we're staying at LVH, and it's uh, amazing. We're actually looking out at the mountains, and uh, we can see everything. The important part is it's connected, literally connected, um, with the convention center. So a lot of people, if you if you come to SEMA and you take a, you know, a, a fancy Bellagio or Venetian or whatever, I can't see what else is out there. The wind is right across the way. Uh, you're going to have to take cabs. And every time you take a cab, it's $20. My, my advice is whenever you come to SEMA, look at the monorail site beforehand. Get the monorail. It's the best thing going in SEMA. You get it on get on it for like eight or nine dollars a day you buy like a week pass i think too. yeah you can get like a week pass and it takes you up and down the strip you save so much money versus yeah. getting cabs cabs are a nightmare They're it's 20 really bucks every time you step in one minimum literally 20 dollars all right so car and get lost. what's that you can hire a car and go around in circles. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, cameron took us for a very long ride that actually ended up going <laughs> nowhere that <laughs> we were going on the other side of the convention we can see the hotel that we were going which is that other the big block one that's out there underneath it on the or actually on the other side and we drove around it 15 times and, and but in cam's defense that that hotel was the no-tell motel yeah that I, was, I didn't even know it was a hotel yeah was, that we was, were looking for. we kept driving past and going like is this uh what is this and sure enough it was the place we needed to go <laughs> anyways all right so uh where do you want to start let's go with the uh impressions of the 2013 SEMA from a detailing perspective. So what have you seen that's been exciting? What have you seen? I've seen the new uh, Roops machines. Yes. 12 mil- millimeter orbit. Yes. So new we have fiber pads. 21. Oh, go from least to biggest. What's the smallest one they have? I think it's the 12, right? Yeah, they have That's 12. now the new one? Is yep. now the smallest throw that they have? Yeah, they have a 12. And there's you said there's two different sizes, right? Yeah, they yeah. hold two different types of pads. And then they have the... 15, yep. the 15 millimeter throw, and then they have the 21. And then they have a, is there a 15 that's air powered yeah, as well? Yeah, LHR 75. Right. So I think they have five, is that five different polishers? Yeah, so they yeah, have five. The way I understand it is the, the air polish, the air 15, which is the one I have, and then I have the 21. But the, there is a gap in the market. So if you didn't have air, which a lot of people just don't have air, you know what I mean? Like the, the guys that maybe they're going for, the uh, weekend warriors. So they said, all right, if I want a 15, but I need it, you know, electric. Yeah, is this a picture of all these? Oh, yeah, see, that's the one I have, um, which is useless on a, pod- on a podcast. I just read. You guys see that? Wait, do you see this? Yeah. Do you yeah. see that? Isn't that <laughs> the coolest thing in the world? Oh, my God, it's amazing. 
Um, so yeah, uh, the air one is is what I have, and then to you know sell to the market, the retail market, they needed to make one that was electric. So which they did now. I think it's a good machine. I, the only issue that I have is that yeah, did you pick it up? Yes, it's, like it's heavy, ridiculously heavy. It's a brick. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. It's and a great machine. Yeah. That's got to be difficult when you guys do that all day long because I know, you know, I've got my orbital and I'm like, yeah, this is a little heavy. I couldn't imagine holding that for like at least six hours a day. Oh, uh, you should see the old rotaries we used to use. Oh my gosh, yeah. Makitas and DeWalt. And well, I had a Black and Decker when I first opened Whoa. before they switched over to DeWalt. And that thing, I mean, not like the cheap Chinese made yeah. plastic casing polishers now. That thing was everything was metal on it. It had like the iron front part where you oh, put yeah. your hand cast on it. <laughs> cast iron. Well, you've seen the one that Mike Phillips showed at the uh, MTE last <laughs> yeah, year. That was, I mean, that, that thing must weigh days. twenty or twenty-five pounds. Yeah, I remember. That's how I got the guns. Yeah, that's right. I was yeah, gonna yeah, say, well. what did everybody <laughs> have? Smaller forearms now that we've got better. <laughs> that's that's better funny. Yes, that that's so true. So there's the uh, the fifteen air, the twelve electric. That's basically the same because I was talking to the I think his name is Torben, uh, super nice guy uh, from Roops. And those ones for the sort of prosumer and the other ones for the kind of average, you know, weekend warrior kind of thing. Then there's the 15, which is also supposed to compete with the Porter Cable 6-inch. Right. And the Gros Garage 6-inch. Uh, so now they're bringing in another dual action. I'm using air quotes here, which you can't see on. That's another good one. Okay. Uh, All right. It's supposed to compete with the Gros Garage. So they're sort of widening their uh, their tool selection so that it covers more. For for us, I mean, what do you, do you use Roops or no? Yes, I I bought one. Twenty one. Yeah, I've got a twenty one when they first came out. And did you put the washer in? Yes, I bought mine from Kevin Brown. Yeah. So Kevin Brown was the guy who, in my opinion, originally did all the legwork with bringing that machine in. Yeah. I wasn't going to buy it from anybody else. Yeah. No, I heard Kevin's you really a nice man. guy. I got to meet oh, yeah. him. Kevin, like, meet Kevin Brown. I was like, I think he's awesome. I haven't met him yet, but it sounds... Well, we ran into him. Were you with me with that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Kevin, I got a chance to talk to him. I'm, I talked to him online, and if you've seen the stuff he's written regarding polishing, I mean, the guy's just an evil genius. Yeah, I hear he's crazy good. So he's, uh, he's the guy. So, Chris, when you take a polisher like mm -hmm. the Roops, the Roops is connected. The backing plate is really close to the housing unit that okay. powers it. <clears throat> so there's... So every time it has friction like this every time you know you turn it on mm -hmm. so what this guy kevin came up with was taking a washer so there's a bolt that goes through taking a washer sanding it down because it's not like a, a full washer size you have to take a round and cut the edges off okay so it's a little squared off on either side yeah it's like kind of circle flat circle flat yeah. you have to kind of get it in there and basically what that does is just put a washer in it and extends the back the housing so that it's off a little bit and yep. then there's there's no friction Oh, so then the housing's not all heating up and it's everything. Not, it's just yeah. it's just like free flowing. So some of the questions are, you know, that I get are, does it break the machine? And my it hasn't broken my machine. Have I been running it eight hours a day for the last two years? No. So can it? I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it can because maybe it throws the machine, you know, mechanics of the machine off. But for me, it gives you a little bit more, um, a little bit faster throw, which creates a little bit more heat, which again is a byproduct. But for I think for pros, it, I think we can kind of manipulate the heat a little bit, mm -hmm. which is sometimes a good thing but anyways you ha it's uh it gives you more options right that makes you can lower if you don't want that much heat then lower it down but so if the power went from one to six meaning on the, the knob mm -hmm. in theory it goes from one to eight now 
again, you know, in okay. theory. So it just gives you more range with the same exact piece of equipment. Basically, I, I, hopefully, is that a fair statement, you think? I think so. Have you done the modifications to your machines? Not mine, not yet. Because Cam's big <laughs> on, he, you use exclusively the Roops machines, mm. right? Yep, yep. yep. Yeah. Three, three big foots. Th three big yep. foots? Three of the 21s. And, and I'll, I'll buy some more of the 12s when they come in. And then what's the one under the 21? The 15. The 15, is that's the ones that they had. They had a 15 and a 21. Yeah, it started off with the 15 and the 21, and now they have the 12s. Okay, and the 12s are to fill that market, which was the... Well, I think it gives you a little bit... It, in terms of versatility, too, it's a not bit just... A little more precise. Yeah, I mean, getting into tighter areas. I mean, when you've got the 5-inch or 6-inch pads on there... Yeah, it's tough. And, and a long, bulky tool like the 21, it's not going to be 100% as versatile as something that's got a 3-inch pad... Mm -hmm. or a 4-inch pad that you can get into tighter areas. So I, I think, think that would, yeah. kind of fills that need. For sure. What, what I would do is I, I would take the, the Garo's Garage, which I thought was really, you know, that was like a one that you can kind of stick in your pocket, the 3-inch, and go after the... It just would die. Oh, I've got no power two of those. Yeah. So when they came out, I ordered two for, you know, getting into tight spots They're and doing wheels and Great whatnot. idea. Neat little machine, and even just sanding out... Because I have air-powered 3-inch uh, tools for doing uh, minor spot repairs and whatnot back from when I was getting into the paint stuff. Um, and because the, the air power is a bit of more of a headache in my shop, I thought, great. So we use these for doing headlight lens restorations mm -hmm. and whatnot, and it, they're just... There's no it's power. Not a, it, it's not a professional tool, those Griot's machines. Yeah. They, the Griot had more power than the PC, in my opinion. It's just a fact. They're just more powerful. So I was like, oh, okay, the 6-inch versus the 6-inch PC, the, the Gros had way more power. Then when you went to the three inch, yeah. it just kind of oh, kind of fell down. So I think they maybe dropped the ball with that a little bit. So that's when the Roops came in with the air, but then there and that was a fantastic machine. That was almost too powerful, uh, which was great. Uh, you can just dial it back and you know whatever you're doing. And then they basically said, mm, "This is really geared towards the professional. We want to try to get into that market where Grows was because they sold a ton of those three inches, uh, three inch you know polishers. Now they have their own. So I think they're they're kind of widening their shoulders for the market, and I think they're going to do quite well. Well, I think they're a much more professional tool, too. I, I agree. And then there's that debate where I keep going back and forth, and I, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I'm not, you know, there's, is it the Flex or, the, or the, the Roops kind of thing, or is it the Cyclo, or is it PC? I think the broad, safe answer is, you know, whatever works for you, whatever. Exactly. You know, whatever, you know. I personally happen to use the, the Roops because I think... Uh, I think it works for me, but I have all of the above, and I use I all have of the above. Too. I have all of the. I use all of them for different things. Yeah, I, that, that's um, a that's a that's a true answer. That's not even a safe answer. Yeah. That's just like a fact. Yeah, I you know. sometimes use the PC if I like it's super soft paint, and I don't like well, use the PC. It's fine, but um, yeah, I find it a lot easier to train guys on the roots. Yeah, the three guys at home that all use the those machines, mm -hmm. and getting them up to a standard where they do good work is quite. It's easy. easier on the roops than it would be on the like flex, yeah. Than, than the Especially flex. more than the rotary because the flex is similar to a rotary with the torque and force rotation. Exactly with the torque, absolutely. Yeah. I feel I actually hurts my back a little bit more. Yeah. See, we we run flexes all day in the shop, yeah. and because I was an early adopter, I got on those immediately when they came out. Same with the uh, porter cables. We brought the porter cables in almost immediately when they started coming in. I think that was back in the mid to late nineties. And, uh, I mean, there's obviously no power with those for doing the kind of polishing that we do. But um, I, I agree with what Cam says, is that the Roops is a tool that you can get somebody immediately. I mean, because we wouldn't let anybody polish at my shop. It was me and one other guy. 
And you just couldn't put someone um, like a rotary and give that guy that tool and let them go to town. I mean, I would train a guy for six months and still not be comfortable with what he could do on paint. With the the roofs is, I don't know, I, I don't want to say it's easy to use. The learning curve, I think, is a little bit lower. There's It's more forgiving. Right. And there's there's not that chance of a guy ruining a paint job on a car mm. unless he really does mm. something dumb. Yeah. Um, that that tool is a great all-around tool. They're expensive, relatively. I mean, what's expensive? But um, I think it's a great tool. Yeah, I totally agree. Tell me something else. You saw uh, another tool out there that I'm really interested in. I, I went back and asked the guy if I could see it, but I think they're, I don't know what they're doing. They're taking it back in. But tell me more about this uh, Tornado. Tornado. I'm not sure how they pronounce tornado it. Tornado with... Auto at the end of it, yeah. tornado auto or something. So they've one's, had, an old mobile, one's an Oldsmobile, the other's a tool. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's right. That's right. Um, tell me about this vacuum thing because I think it's a cool concept. Well, they came out first with that tornado tool where it basically you'd hook it up to an airline and it has a dispenser on the bottom that you would fill with cleaner yeah. that you could use for blasting out um, crevices and whatnot where it'll, without getting things too wet, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you could clean stains, whatever. So you're using air power combined with the action of this little thing that whips around in the end of the tube where the product comes out of, yep. and it just blasts things out. Creates of. a vortex. And, right. And, and cleans they, it and then sucks it out. Right. The and then time. they have a new tool uh, that they didn't have on, on uh, display today where it basically uses the same action but has it in your vacuum hose nozzle. So you'd have a crevice tool, and it actually creates that tornado action with compressed air at the tip of the uh, crevice tool. So, so it's not just sucking, it's, it's creating It's blasting. So you say you, were, you had a really crusty carpet, you're trying mm -hmm. to get, you know what it's like to get sand out of like a VW carpet, right? Oh my gosh. It's yeah. a nightmare. It's like that nappy hair kind of thing. Kind of yeah, it's almost like burlap. Or it, I feel like it's carpeting. the stuff that's in the trunk of 99% of the cars is then throughout the rest of the car. Exactly. It's a nightmare. So that tool basically creates a situation where it'll blast compressed air down into that carpet while it's also using a vacuum to suck the stuff out simultaneously. So that'll loosen everything up, blast it so it comes out of the carpet, and then you can vacuum it out at the there same time. There was a time. video there or something? Yeah, there's a really neat video of it on their website. And um, was the, was the sorry, because I haven't seen this, by the way, so that's why I'm so curious. Is the air portion of it on the bottom, and then it sucks on the top? Because I was thinking, how does that work if, if it's sucking through the hose and then pushing? It, it's kind of hard to see from the video, because I haven't seen one in person yet. But it looks to me like uh, the airline attaches at the top of the crevice tool. And you can use any uh, vacuum? Or do you have to use like a... Yeah, this just attaches to... I, bl I believe it's a three-inch vacuum nozzle. And they have adapters, so it wouldn't matter. So it's not like you have to buy the no. Tornado whatever You don't vacuum. have to buy any other tools from them. This part would just work with your existing vacuum system. And you need an airline. Obviously. And you need air power, obviously. Okay. Continue. Um, and I'm not sure what CFMs it would require and whatnot, but I'm sure probably most compressors would work, even a smaller one. But... Um, so I would imagine, just like the original tool, that the little tube that whips around that creates the action would be at the end of the vacuum crevice tool. So very close to where you'd be holding it to the, to the ground. Mm -hmm. And then you just hook that entire tool up to the end of your vacuum hose, and it'll blast everything out of the carpet or out of the seat or whatever you're using it for and vacuum it up at the same time. So pretty useful... Uh, Especially for those cars where stuff's just ground into the into the fabric. Sounds kind of like similar to like when I'll take like a wet back in like and in, in a steam cleaner at the same time and like just blast it with a wet back and yep. like carry the carry the nozzle like an inch or two behind it. 
No, it makes sense. Totally agree with that. I, I, uh, I'm really interested. I even like you, uh, Cam. You're uh, saying headliners. Yep, yep. Headliners in a lot of well, utes back home, farm utes, which are a utility vehicle, and a lot of farmers drive around with their windows down, and they clean their cars about once every three years. Usually when so they sell like it, dust and whatnot. Yeah, what should be a, a grey, light grey headliner, is brown like chocolate. Really. And we come in and we we take a lot of fifty-fifty photos after doing half of one. And it's like black and white. And so when you when you hit it with the air, is all that stuff coming down on yeah. you? No, no, it's, it's oh, not really. No. I'm not the one that does it, so I, I wouldn't <laughs> know. But my guys do that, but not really. No, they just run it up there with the cloth. And oh, at the same time, yeah, so it yeah. gets picked up. You know what? I'm just thinking of something now because when I do a lot of smoke, you know, I guess maybe it's just a New York thing, but when you do smoke removal, everybody focuses so hardcore on. Uh, you know, masking it, you know, putting a fogger in there or ozone machines are great or whatever, you know, detailing it's great. But, you know, the thing that they forget the most is over the left hand, the driver's side. Let's say the driver's a smoker, I would imagine. The uh, B-pillar here where the seatbelt is, that's where like 90% of the yellow gunk is. And I think that machine, the tornado, tornado, whatever, would be amazing to blow all that stuff out. Especially if if that B-pillar is a... Material. Fab- that's what, that's yeah. what I'm saying. A yeah. lot of times it's the fabric here, yeah. but the, you know, there's always fabric yeah. really yeah. up here on, on the ceiling. If you can blast that out, a lot of that yellow gunk mm. will come out, and then that's how you kill the smell of smoke. Because most people just don't really go crazy. Because you think about it, you're smoking, yeah. like you're driving and you're smoking, and you have the window open. There's cr- there's high and low pressure. It's pushing that smoke right against you. Jamming it right. It's like if you stick your nose right in there. So a lot of times I'll get um, dealer jobs where the detailer at the dealer place or whatever at the dealership, dealer place. Wow, I'm really losing my mind now. Um, he'll detail the car, and then the head sales guru will come out and be like, I can't sell this car. It still smells like smoke. And they'll call me in for this master job or whatever, and I'll just go, I'll sniff right there. and be like, dude, you didn't clean that section. Clean it, and it's fine. So that's an interesting question for you. Now that, uh, you know, I go to a used car dealership, and they always tell you, oh, this car was owned by a non is, is it? Are you guys, like, doing just multiple cars every week where they're like, we want to sell this as a car that nobody ever smoked in? I wouldn't call it multiple cars. I, I get called in on those particular jobs when it's, like, so bad, and the detailer spent all this time, and then it's, like, a last resort. Yeah. And I put an o- I clean, I re-clean the interior, put an ozone machine, but I spend 80% of my time working on that B-pillar because it's just not common sense until yeah. you realize, you're like, oh, wow, I realize... That's where the smoke. Don't clean the the passenger side trunk, like you know. I mean, you still need to clean it, but don't focus all your energy on it. It's gonna be right here if you spend all your time. You can get ninety percent of it. I mean, you. That's agree. what I I find with smoke removal jobs because we do a ton of them. Yeah. Is that the things that the guys at the dealership? Well, they don't really shampoo the car to begin with. Mm-hmm. Everything's got to be clean to get all that nicotine and tar off. No, you can't. Just, people say, oh, you can just put an ozone machine. When I did that ozone video, they were all like, I'm just gonna buy a machine. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, that is like. Forget about the ozone machine. It's all about what you're it's saying. It's got to be prepped properly and first. And the, what Cam was talking about with the headliners, and you said about that uh, B-pillar, is that a lot of times they don't even touch that or the uh, visors. And where you're using the Tornator, I think it comes in really useful, is that those headliners are so delicate, mm. you can't get them wet. Mm-hmm. So you get somebody that's a heavy smoker that's been in that car for two, three, four years and smoking it every day. It's just going to be absolutely inundated mm. with nicotine and cigarette smoke. And the benefit for you is that you're able to push all that out of that headliner without getting it wet, which scrubbing will, it, 
Well, it normally that, breaks it down and it, they fall. And oh, it, yeah, and the cushions get yeah, wet and, yeah, the, and then the it pulls down. starts to pull down. And it just, you know, getting on that headliner chews up the fabric because it's not meant to be touched like that. I mean, we've had a few that were so bad that we literally had to turn our extractor down, the two motors to one, and actually extract it, or they were going to have to replace the headliner. It was so bad. Uh, but that's not really the way we like to do that job. It was just a last resort before they went and had... But what you said about getting the smoke smell out, you're exactly spot on. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. Because it's that spot that people just don't even think about. Headliners and that B-pillar, they're always just covered. Yeah. Because the person's sitting right there. I mean, you could have somebody drive a car for four years and never have a passenger. This is true. The first place you've got a hammer on is that absolute spot somewhere. Yeah, it's not like you're not doing the rest of the car. You're doing the rest of the car, but in terms of spending the time. It's almost always the dirtiest part of the car. Of course, of course. All right, so something that I think is pretty cool and the reason why I asked Scotty in particular, who is from Canada, and Cameron, who's from Australia, and I'm from the U.S., is this, uh, I really wanted to know, and, and there, there, there isn't a right or wrong answer, I just kind of wanted to pose the question of, is detailing different? Um, and you and I are kind of oddly close, even though you're in a different country. We're what, latitude, longitude, or whatever. Yeah, kind it's of about... Same weather department, you know what I mean? We'd have some specific challenges. I mean, you're right on the coast, so I'm sure you get some interesting weather coming in off the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, we have... Southern Ontario, the shape of it is kind of like a spearhead, and I'm right in the middle of it, uh, about two hours north of Detroit. So we get lake effect weather coming in from Lake Huron, Lake Erie, and then Lake Ontario is very close as well. Like crazy snow. Well, and it's funny. It comes almost exclusively right across my city. So uh, Detroit, Windsor, which is right at the tip, we're in the middle. I mean, about two hours north or to the east of us is Toronto. We've had snowstorms where we just get absolutely battered. And 15, 20 minutes outside my city, there's nothing. Really? Like two or three years ago, we got five feet of snow in two days. And I ended up just having a trip where I left and went to Montreal. And once we got 20 minutes outside the city, there was literally nothing on the ground. So would you say, how cyclical is your business because of that? Terrible. So it's when like, you know, spring, crazy, crazy, summer, amazing. Awesome, I find our, our groove goes from, and we've had winters where we're just absolutely buried as well. But over 20 years, and we just had our 20th anniversary on November 3rd. Which is a ridiculously long time to be in the detailing business. <laughs> there's like the one 20 years too year. long. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's good. No, congratulations. There's always that cycle where for us, it usually starts in March. It starts to ramp up. Like crazy. And we really get beat on. It, it depends on a number of factors, but either April or May is where we just get absolutely battered with customers. Mm-hmm. And then it slows down a little bit for July and August, and it kind of tapers off. And usually it's about the same September, October, November, depending on the weather, is usually a half-decent month. But mm. December, January, February, every year is an absolute crapshoot for us. We could do awesome, or like last winter, we had a number of different challenges where the wholesale side of our business was very, very slow because the dealers were having a lot of problems buying cars. Mm. Economy-wise, um, I mean, like, like the, because, of the in, because of the world economy? Well, what happened is when, the, obviously, the economy crashed mm. uh, four or five years ago now, and the auto sales went right into the toilet, and in the U.S., you guys had your cash for clunkers uh, oh program, gosh, which, took, which took how many cars out of the industry, right? Mm-hmm. And how many new cars got sold because of that. So, and then the leasing went to hell too, right? Mm. So the three, four-year leases that would at that point be coming off lease, there was that gap where all of a sudden there's no more cars coming off lease. Yeah. And I'm not sure it's like this in the U.S., but in Canada, there was no leasing through any of the big three for a year or two. 
like they're getting back into it now, but you didn't. You weren't. Was well, that true? That's your department. It's uh, it slowed down a bit, but it didn't stop entirely. They killed it all altogether. The the new thing now is they're actually the number one lo- the number one subprime loan sold in the United States is on on vehicles because they can't do it on housing anymore. Right. So now they're going to sell you if you make forty thousand dollars a year, they're going to sell you a hundred thirty thousand dollar car. So great. Yeah. But that's those are the kind of things. And, and last winter, it, it kind of hit us all at once, where the weather was really. It, we didn't get a lot of snow, but it was just miserable, all the way from end of November straight through till almost middle of April. So we got four and a half months of just miserable, crappy weather. So it, that pushed our retail back from the spring to a, a month later than it normally would be. And then in the winter, the wholesale side of our, our business is really important because. You know, if we're in the middle of a snowstorm, not a lot of people are rushing down to get their interior shampooed or a full paint correction. Um, so the dealer stuff, they send their stuff out no matter what. And what do, you think, what do you think the obvious, just because it's snowing and it's dirty outside, hey, I don't want to get my car washed or cleaned or whatever because it's going to get dirty in five seconds? Well, or they just don't want to come outside? Or your door, remember you were saying last night, when you close your doors, like you see a decrease of whatever, 20% in your business? Oh, yeah. When we have the front bay doors of our shop open... Um, at first of spring, that's a perfect example. So that's so psychological. I yeah. Think. So the people see us in there working, it's just bam. The first oh, day, my, my phone cleaned. just yeah. starts going absolutely nuts. Yeah. And as soon as we close the doors, and we've been working with the doors open in the middle of a snowstorm before because we know it's so important. Mm-hmm. So the guys are just terrible out there, you know, wrapped in thirty layers of clothing, <laughs> yeah. trying to detail cars. And you'd know that feeling because you actually do it outside. I do. Um, I don't know how you do it, but yeah, <laughs> that's maybe like a big plexiglass door. I'd, Seriously, I'm, I'm just trying to think of all the issues that could come with that. There, are, uh, well, backing through a plexiglass. There are yeah. uh, the see-through doors; they do have them, yeah. uh, and a lot of shops in my area do have them. Uh, the problem is that the building I'm in, there's a multitude of okay. issues with. Interesting issues. With I just didn't even think. You know, I was like, do they make see-through doors at garage doors? You know, scale. Yeah. So, they, so they do have those. I mean, a lot of the garages, like the big tire shops, whatnot, they do have those. So they get. The big thing is that you get better light. It's not even so that people can see in and see yeah. it working. It's just they get better light from it, right? Um, but our building, my landlord put on new steel doors, I don't know, 15 years ago, and there's no way I could, and even if they were falling apart, I couldn't get them to replace them. But that's a whole other kettle of fish. Now, what about in Australia? So you don't have to deal with any of the no, no. cyclical business. No, no. It, the, that's why we probably don't like May, June, July, yeah. quietest month, because it's hard we, what we would you guys are cold. reverse than us, yeah. But that for so you that, is your winter, winter, right? Yeah, that's winter, and that pretty much uh, nine months of the year. What does winter for you mean? What is that? What is that? Give me, don't give me Celsius either. Well, <laughs> I can convert. I can, <laughs> I can even okay. as for me. Can All right, at, at, at night time, maybe get down to thirty. Thirty. Go ahead, Scotty. What does that mean? Thirty Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Oh, Fahrenheit. Yeah. All right, so we're uh, speaking English. Yeah, Good. summertime. <laughs> like, and, uh, what, what would um, what would ten or fifteen degrees be in Fahrenheit? Uh, usually, a quick and dirty calculation is to multiply it by two and add thirty. So okay, oh. yeah, I'm not quite sure. I know in summertime we get up about you know 105, 110 Fahrenheit. That's hot. But is it humid there or not? No, dry heat. Dry so that's heat, the so difference between you and me. We get hammered with the humidity too. Yeah. So. So if it, you have dry heat, I'm, I'm thinking, sorry, I'm going totally into detailing. Dry, like if you, your car must dry in five seconds. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and around here, you close the doors for about 37 seconds. The entire glass is like dripping with, you know, moisture if you okay. shampoo the inside yeah. of a car, yeah. which is detailing 101. It's great <laughs> when, when you've got a really dirty car and you need to get it wet yeah. to shampoo it. Mm-hmm. We, we t- try and tell people to come back in summertime if they have a big job like that. Mm-hmm. 
and you can put it outside after it's shampooed 15 20 minutes it's dry so when wait it, a second he said 30 degrees fahrenheit oh, in that winter is, yeah but it won't that's it like, won't do that in winter like that's cold right yeah very cold I thought Australia, I guess I'm just thinking of like kangaroos and people surfing all day long or something. <laughs> so it's 30 degrees in, in Australia. Yeah. I definitely didn't know that. Well, they've got a, you've got a lot of desert there, right? Yeah. So yeah. I would imagine yeah. like we, here in Las Vegas, you've got temperature swings where last night it was very cold, right? So it'd be hot in the day. And then depending so there's on... there's no snow, though, ever. No. No. Well, it's like, Not you know, I think Australia's weather pattern is pretty close to Southern California. Yeah. Yep. And it's just like, it can be, literally this time of year, it can be 80, 85 degrees <clears throat> at my house in L.A., during the day and then drop down to 45 at night easy so it's mm. a big big swing mm. housekeeping yeah crazy they're just screaming and yelling out there yeah. alright question for you Mr. Scotty uh, I'm get, starting to get these questions and I think I need to shoot a video on it I'm keep flip flopping back and forth trying to think about how do I want to approach this particular video snow removal and go from the best possible way to remove snow when your car is outside and there's multiple ways, and I try to, you know, I don't, I don't like to just get this tool and your car will never, you know, that kind of, I just don't think that works. So I go from, like, what is the ap- absolute best way, uh, no money issues, you know, like, just nothing. Uh, you could just be a jerk like me and not remove the snow and drive around and let it blow off on yes, everybody's which car. which is illegal is, in New York. Is a comically large magnifying glass a good answer <laughs> to this? <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm saying... Well, All they, options out. We okay. have, uh, and I don't know if you have these, the dealers are really big on these snow removal tools where it's a, a broom handle that has a very large square so or rectangular... Like foam thing? Foam thing. It's like the snow um, sweeper or snow something Snow like pro that. or yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah. Now, I don't ever like to touch anything on to the actual paint. Agreed. So what I usually like to do is we have two or three of those at the shops where if we're removing snow from vehicles, we'll usually try to just pressure wash it off. So nothing's touching it but water, but at my house... Um, I'll try and remove it down to where it, it, it's one of those things, an anal guy like you or me, yeah. like, I don't want it to touch the paint. Yeah. So you'll try and remove as much as possible with just leaving a little bit of snow. That you can drive off. And right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, that, I, that's a cool tool. Um, what I did with that tool, um, well, first, going from, you know, the best way ever, like I agree with you, power wash it off, use water, use a regular hose, um, depending on how much snow is there, of course. But um, you can also, if you really want to be crazy, I don't know, it, it gets wonky because if the car was that important to you and that valuable, you probably wouldn't have left it outside. Enough. So it's, see how it's kind of like counterintuitive sometimes, but bring it inside a heated garage and leave it there and it's going to drip all over the floor or whatever. But that's probably the, and the definition or the question I, I posed was what is the safest way to remove snow? And the best way is to not touch the snow and let it kind of do its thing. Um, but uh, from a realistic standpoint, I think, Using a power washer or a hose is probably the best way to That's safely remove it. The way I like to remove it, if possible. I mean, I'm lucky that in the winter I have a place where it is our slower time, but I can usually bring my truck in every day because the one thing I hate is having ice all over my vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll bring it in every day almost, and first thing in the morning, pressure wash all the snow off, let it sit inside. I mean, that's a luxury that most people just don't have, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then afterwards, I don't have to worry about any locks freezing up and yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. I think that snow pusher thing the snow go pro or whatever it is um i think it's good too but what i i've tried to like kind of modify a little bit is that plastic is or foam it's foam right it's, it's like it's, kind of hard foam or uh it's it has it's like a, a nerf ball right it right and it has like a coating on it the ones we have anyway have a coating on it really? it's kind of rubbery 
I think if we wrap those in a microfiber towel or something. It's just, funny you say that. You, you were thinking about that? Yeah, yeah we wrap it in a, a really soft towel. Really? Because I was thinking of poking, taking a regular microfiber towel, poking a hole in it, sliding it over the handle, and wrapping it around the edge, and then maybe, I don't know, I was trying to think of how to make them st- you know, stay. Yep. And then uh, just lightly using that. But again, any sort of pressure on the paint could potentially cause it. With soft paint, you look at it the wrong way, and it's going to... Well, especially with... The, I don't know. Do you guys salt the roads where you are? Uh, yeah, they're not even roads. They're just soft paths. Okay, that was. What I was going to ask because, like, I grew up. I grew up in New England, and it's just like you can't even do that anymore. They won't even allow it for local governments. Well, we've been. I, I don't want to say the wrong thing here, but I believe in my city, the the city was sued because they didn't put salt down. They switched to a different product and dirt. So they were hammering the roads with dirt. And if you've ever been out west, to Alberta, they actually use gravel. Really? So, yeah, oh, yeah, the cars just get covered. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, I've got a cousin that's, uh, he has a big contract up in, in Manchester, New Hampshire. He does the airports there. He does all the local roads. And, um, you know, several years ago, they had to switch to going, they, they had to get rid of all the salt, and they had to go just to straight sand, because the thing is, the salt was actually killing all of the fish in the lakes and yep. the streams. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's why they had to do it. I know that's a huge issue in Toronto. It's definitely an issue down by, I mean, it ripped, we were just, I was just talking about it with Eileen, because now with the Porsche, and I'd like to go out for a ride, I can't even go down certain streets, and I blew a shock out, I talked about this in the other podcast, I was, I spend, I have a little segment in my normal, not special edition podcast, uh, where I have my ranting, raving, like, I need, that's my therapy (laughs) of being like, all right, this is what happened this week with, you know, something, Uh, and my shocks blow up, because the, the ground, the roads are all jacked up from the snow, and the snow plow, basically the salt gets in there. As soon as the water gets in and freezes, obviously it expands and cracks the the road, and then the plows come along with the pressure and just basically pick it up, yeah, and you know so on and so forth. So yeah, it's kind of a it's definitely an issue that you don't have to deal with, Mister Australia. It's great. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you would get probably some salt issues if you lived near the coast where yeah, you are. Yeah, but you have crocodiles, so I mean, whatever. <laughs> Among every other scary living thing. Well, yeah. Spiders, snakes. That's right. I've got salt issues at my house because I live right on the coast. So it's just like anything that gets outside is just destroyed. No matter how good a care you try and take care of it, it's just like, no, it's it's defeated. Within three days, you're like right back to where you were. It's and everything rusts. If it even looks like metal, it rusts. I've got an, you know, I've got the Xbox with the little fake chrome ring around it. Yep. Even that rusts. The Xbox rusts. The the play, the fake chrome on the Xbox. We got to come out with a product for uh, protecting Xbox chrome. Right? <laughs> yeah. it came up it's with a whole new market. Right Nobody there. take that. That's mine. <laughs> but that's how that's how aggressive it is. Even like if, even if you get like aluminum that has like the tiniest bit of iron content, you'll get rust spots in it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So what do you do for cleaning like uh, cleaning the underneath the undercarriage? Do you have like a thing or? Do you we do a- actually. I bought a. Um, have you seen the water brooms that you can buy? No. Well, I, what what they call a water broom is it's a uh, it's got wheels on the bottom, it casters that spin, and it's a long, kind of a tube, uh, metal tube that has drilled out and um, what do you call it? But they've got pressure washer nozzles along the length of it, and they yeah. have different lengths. Mm-hmm. So I bought the smallest one, and what it's designed for is to uh, clean the floors. So you hook it up to your pressure washer, and you can just roll it along, and it brings out four or three or four or five uh, 40 degree fans that hammer the floor with the pressure washer nozzles. But what I found was that if you just turn it right down, you can slide it right underneath the car and the pressure washer nozzles all go up oh, and genius. you can pressure wash the bottom that of the is car with it. Right? Goddamn genius. That, that nice. Well, I don't want to take 100% credit for it because Greg Sweat from Classic Appreciation had something similar. I'm not sure if he had it built. 
um, years and years and years ago. And it's a, it's a slightly different design where you don't have to get right down like I do. Um, but you would just take this thing. And I think it was basically a, kind of a tray that had them that sprayed up. Mm. And you just would kind of roll the thing back and forth underneath the car without having to jack it up on a hoist. Mm. And you know how big of a nightmare that would be in the winter when... You know, you've got ice and snow and salt and all the rest of the garbage that's in there. And the floor's drip- usually wet and it's dripping all over yeah, you. Yeah, and it's nightmare. dripping all over you. And then once you start pressure washing it, it's all really dripping all over you. So mm-hmm. this, once you've had the car inside for a while and it's cooled down a little bit. Kind of, you got the snow out of the wheel walls and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You just take this thing, roll it underneath, and you pressure wash the whole underside of the car. Because I was thinking, I don't know if you guys as a kid or whatever, I know my grandfather had that hose with all the little things in it and really yeah. used to jump or whatever, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe we should get one of those hoses. But it didn't have a ton of pressure, but I would I'd imagine somebody would would invent, you know, something like that. That's a pretty good idea for sure. Yeah, like, that's that, that is ingenious, I have to say, because you know that was that was one of the big things growing up up there. It's just like the salt was always just the constant battle, and it was just like for a normal person that doesn't have all the tools that you guys have. I mean, it's like it's just a losing battle. Yeah. So that would that's a that's a thing you could take to market and sell a billion of them up there. That's a good idea. I might Ooh. just do that. We, you know what? We'll brand them under ammo. Oh, I love it. Ammo. <laughs> we got to come up with ammo, water, spigots or something. Yes, I like it. <laughs> Done. Sold. Chris, you had a question about uh, Plasti Dip, right? Yeah, yeah. One. So I've been getting a lot of questions from, like, TST fans and just friends of mine about th- how safe it is to start Plasti Dipping parts. And, you know, it's common to see it done on wheels, but some people are talking about, you know, starting to do panels and stuff with it just to, like, try out a different color for a week or something like that. What kind of inherent risk is there in, like, how long can you leave that stuff on before it really starts messing with the paint and that, that kind of stuff? Scotty? Well, I've seen some stuff on the internet. Yeah, only speak um, about what you've seen right. and what you... Because uh, when, when it's my turn, I'll tell you only what I've seen. Right. So and, guys in my area have been doing wheels and whatnot and, you know, parts uh, with plastic dip for a while. And I've been interested in the product for a couple of years for the reason you talked about. Um, that, you know, if you want to change up your car, you, we have a little car that we use for our shop that we bought that had a wreck paint job. Mm-hmm. There's no body damage. It's just the paint's all scratched. It's not fixable without repainting the car. And I don't want to spend a lot of money on it. So I thought, you know what? We'll plastic dip it. And the wrapping of the cars is really popular, but it's ultra expensive. But you can dip a car. Anybody can dip a car. Right. And it's not cost prohibitive. If you don't like it, you just pull it off. I mean, you do a wrap, and you get a professional guy to wrap it. The going rate right around where I am is anywhere from... Three to five thousand dollars. Yeah, that's about what it is out here. Yeah, you can dip a car for three or four hundred dollars in supplies and just the time, mm-hmm. right? So we actually bought all the equipment to do it, and we never ended up getting into it because we didn't have time. But I saw some problems on the internet. There were two or three cars that kind of went around the uh, the forums where a guy had dipped his G thirty five, and then when he removed it, it pulled the paint right off down to the e coat. It was bizarre, and I'm not sure why it caused it. Why? whether it was a problem with his paint, because I believe the guy said it was factory original paint. Oh, so it wasn't a, it hadn't been repainted at all? I, if I remember correctly, he said it hadn't. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a little so wonky. Mm. I, I'm not sure why, what kind of adhesion problems you would have that would lead to the, you know, the base and clear delaminating off the E-code. It, it just didn't and make sense. And it's not that sticky. That's what seems strange. You know, like you, if you've ever peeled plastic, yeah, off, you I've, just grab a little edge and go, and peel it. It peels and right it's, off. It's, it's just not like, like it's not like clear bra. If you ever pull clear bra off, yeah. it's like, you know, that, you know, that is very common when you pull off clear bra. It's, you know, I don't even know what the percentage is, but 20% of the time you do some sort of crazy damage. I, for me, Plastic Dip, I've never had an issue. 
and we've never had a problem with clear bra. The only time we've ever had a problem with removing stuff from paint was when somebody put on uh, vinyl or something on paint that had been repainted, mm-hmm. and it was, they, they had adhesion problems anyway, yeah. and then it just peeled the stuff off. If it's, a, if it's something that had been repainted beforehand, the, the chances or likelihood of having damage, yeah. of pulling clear bra off, stickers off, or Plasti Dip, which is an odd one, are way higher. Well, I've seen a couple things on, on the net where guys have had problems, and uh, it has pulled their paint off. But I don't think it's going to be a common thing. As long as your paint's in good shape to begin with and it's factory original paint, I don't think you would have a problem with it pull, pulling the paint off. So it seems like these these are the kind of things that these guys would probably have paint issues in a couple of years anyway because right. it wasn't prepped properly. Something, Yeah, something wasn't right. And my gut is telling me something wasn't right beforehand. And it's always like just like a, being a detailer. It's like... Like a button is about to fall off, and you know damn well that that car is coming to your shop. And the instant you sit in the seat, don't even, and you just think of the button, it's gonna fall off. And then you you're the one holding the bag. I think in this case, at least my gut is telling me that Plasti Dip seems to be holding the bag on this. But you told me that the guy was nice enough to pay for it or whatever. Well, that one I I don't know what happened with the guy's G35, but I seem to remember seeing the other one was I think it was a Subaru WRX where he bought the stuff from the big Plasti Dip guy on the net. And he stood behind it. it he, the kid, it, I mean, I think the paint job on the kid's car was shot anyway, and he dipped it. That's he, the purpose of dipping. Yeah, so time. he dipped it because he didn't want to pay for a paint job, and then he decided to peel it off, and it wrecked, It pulled the paint off somehow. And the guy who had sold him the plastic dip stood behind it, even though, I mean, in my opinion, and the, and the worst part was the kid was complaining about it. On the net and the floor. Yeah, saying, oh, he only gave me X amount of dollars. I mean, he gave him a good amount of money to put towards paint. I mean, you could get a cheap paint job for that price, and the kid's paint was... As you said, it was pretty much toast anyway from what I saw. Yeah, and it just dawned on me as we were talking about this, you know, this would be almost an ideal product for, like, off-road guys that don't want to mess up their Jeep or Absolutely. whatever. Absolutely. It just adds another layer of protection. Is it going to be able to take an impact of a rock? And, again, what, what is a rock? What is know, a pebble? The like, what's the size is, of that? You know, the off-road guys, it's the tree branches that go and just scratch down the entire side it, of the body. It'll probably pull the plastic dip off, and you'll get one shot out of it, but, like, who cares? It's you know, better than paying for a paint job. Yeah. Like, you were saying that... Uh, you had guys who were doing cross-country trips, and they would just... Not cross-country, but I like there are guys that do track days that do it. And Larry right. actually did an episode on uh, Drive Clean about that. Yeah. So it was, you know, there are guys that are doing it, like, just on wheel wells. And, like, I, I saw one guy come back from the uh, track, and he had just done the nose of his car, so he didn't have, you know, the usual spray coming up from the track and hitting it. Yeah, and what's nice, too, is if you, if you put it in the ru- high rubber areas, like behind their tires, mm-hmm. you spray a little bit. Once the rubber hits... The kind of rubber, like rubber hits rubber. I mean, because it's plastic that kind of feels rubbery. Yeah. You could just peel it off, and you can. You don't have to introduce heat and get, do all the. You know, when you're a race car, you have to introduce a little bit of heat and use some solvents, and then you can kind of pull off the old rubber. I learned a thing the other day, and I'd love to get your take on it. I've now heard of guys taking Pam to their rear quarters if they know they're going to be going and doing burnouts all day long. That's, I totally true. You can, okay. Yeah. It's, I've never heard that one. I know. Actually, this is an interesting one for winter. I knew a guy who would go and buy five-gallon pails of vegetable oil. And, like, coat the under uh, the wheel wells. Right, right. right. Yeah. Have you heard that? I haven't heard that, but the same sort of, from a chemistry standpoint, the same sort of idea, I'm being very loose with this, is when you use the solvent-based tire dressings and you put on the, not on the tire, I'm saying on the wheel well, which yeah. is already hard because we've talked about this at nauseum, but, again, when you use solvent-based dressings on a rubber, it actually depletes the... Uh, it does a number of nasty. It does things. A, a crazy things to yeah. the tire and actually makes it hard. Yeah, like over the long term versus a water based sort of thing. Which of course is bad because then you won't be able to stop. Well, well not even yeah. that. It's like you're you're messing with your tires and like yeah. you don't tires and brakes. You 
you can't be cheap. You, you know, yeah. you can be cheap on your crazy cool xenon headlights or whatever, which you know that's cool. But tires and brakes, you should probably not play around with. Anyways, um, the guys would put the solvent-based dressing on the inner wheel wells, so when the snow and the gunk or whatever would just it hit, it won't stick and, and drip. And so it's the same sort of concept. Yeah. So I can see people doing that. There used to be, uh, and it's illegal now, but it used to be uh, they had what they called the hot spray guys up in the northeast where they'd put the car up on a lift and it'd actually shoot hot oil at the underbody of your car before the winter. Oh, so like undercoating? Yeah. Yeah, but this is, you know, back in the day where it was like, it was actual straight hot oil that Just they were spraying do, at do the bottom. Do you use motor oil? Uh, it might have actually been used motor oil. Because we had a lot of guys where, I mean, rust proofing. Used motor oil? Yeah, rust proofing where I am is huge. Really? So there's a number of companies that have really good product. That's It is a petroleum-based product, but it's not going to eat up anything on the car, right? Um, and then you get the guys, mechanics, and say, oh, yeah, undercoating twenty nine ninety five. when the other guys are charging $125. And people think, oh, great, it's oil's oil, right? And we've had people come in, and, you know, you see uh, the weather strippings, and their doors have all swelled, and they're sticking out the door. And we had one where it ruined. It was a VW, I believe, and it had this big rubber weather stripping around the headlights, and it swelled that, and it actually buckled the headlights out of their housings. Um, and I asked what was going on, and the guy said, oh, yeah, the guy, he just uses the used motor oil after from what he does the oil changes for. So he's oh, getting rid of his used motor oil. And, I mean, that's full of all kinds of nasty wow. byproducts. And from, never mind what the Canadian equivalent of the EPA would say about that, you know? It's not, it's not good. you can burn that, though. I think I, there, I are, there are burners that you can use to heat your shop. That's and a exactly what a lot yeah. of the shops down yeah. in New York do. Although that's actually, in a lot of places, that's really illegal, too. I, something's got to be. You get a subsidy it. where we are. Really, if you do yeah, that, yeah, you get a uh, because it's using the product up and recycle it mm-hmm. rather than just going to a disposal a, place, some kind of a disposal place. I know there used to be a subsidy they would give you to help pay for the actual equipment to put it in your in your business. Yeah, to use the stuff. So a lot of mechanics were doing that, and they just use up their oil, heat their shop. People used to do that with the furnaces in their house, and if you don't have the proper way to ventilate that, you will burn your house down. Oh yeah, yeah, and it and it used to happen. Must be nice so. for you not to have to deal with any of these yeah, issues. The, yeah, Australia. you're just being quiet because you're like, mm, yeah, I don't have any of those problems. Yeah, that's things for you guys. Mm, yeah, you just right. got to deal with animals that want to, you know. He just has to you. worry about how tanned he's going to be this yeah. week. Kangaroos are a big issue. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, roadkill. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Like, you, like a deer over here is like a kangaroo over there. Yep. Yep. You got to look out between dusk and dawn. That's when they come out to feed. So I heard they're vicious too, right? Don't yeah. they like kick and? Yeah. Bite I've, I've seen that where they'll uh, come up and they, uh, they they'll punch in the back and use their tail to balance. Yeah, it's funny to have you say. There's a video. They'll of, punch uh, you in the bag and they'll so smack you with their tail. Yeah, there's a video of a guy standing. It, it's a big viral video on the internet where the guy's standing on the edge of a pond. I think he's feeding ducks, and you see a kangaroo walk up behind him, and it balances on its tail, and kicks the guy in the back and knocks him into this pond. Just at random. Probably, yeah, <laughs> and it's probably full of crocodiles as well. And snakes and spiders. But uh, is that a big issue for you guys? Like, do you ever have Do people really of... get kicked into the ponds all the time yeah, in Australia? No. Is that what happens? No, no, no. My question was <laughs> just, like, no. you know, for you, do you get ever uh, issues in where people have had, they've run over roadkill for, and you have to clean that out of their car? Because I've had a couple times where, you know, somebody's hit something like a huge bird and it's all just yeah, embedded yeah. in there. Yeah, in the so grill. Do you, yeah. What kind of other animals do you guys have that, like, do you ever have people running over koalas and whatnot? No, probably wombats are a big one. And What's a wombat? They're built like a brick shitter, basically. Right. What, like, what is it? A, like the a, size like of a, a pug. Uh, it's a little rodent. Uh, does it, like, have teeth or whatever? Or? Yeah, yeah. It's like a beaver without a tail, basically. Got it. All right. This big. Yeah. And they can weigh, like, 50 kilos. Sit on 50 the road. 50 kilos? Like a, they're, 
That's like 102 oh, yeah, pounds. They're heavy. They're, they're, it's like a cinder block. Actually, yeah. have you ever Close seen like uh, have you ever seen Nutria that they have down in yeah. like New Orleans? It's like the it's, the it's a very hat. close cousin. Yeah. Really? I'll throw out the Seinfeld reference nice, for you there. Nice. The Rat Hat. That's what they make the. Uh, that's what Nutria is. Oh really? The episode where George had the hat that was made out of yeah, the, the yeah, fake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just put it on my account. That's Do you right. guys have uh, armadillos there? No, no, because that's a big thing. Like throughout the southern states, the armadillos get all, all over the highway, and, and they're it's a mess. Yep. It's a real mess. What about insects? Because that's got to yep. be something that's different where you are. Yep, we had a big plague a couple of years ago of these insects, and the front of cars were just coming in yellow. You couldn't tell what color car they were. You'd have to couldn't use the headlights without cleaning them, and they're they called locusts. And they were on the road, and as you drive, they just yeah, rise up, and this was crazy. Right. I was on the the radio. Actually, called me up and wanted to do an interview on how to get these off safely. So I basically told everyone to go to the car wash, spray it with the engine cleaner, and high pressure it off. They've got and not reach underneath your kitchen sink and grab a, a pot scourer, which a lot of people do anyway. Oh, oh like the green whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it would hurt my paint. <laughs> now, is it true you guys have Bigfoot over there? No, <laughs> we have drop bears. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what? yeah, my buddy, yeah, he's from Brisbane, and he always brings a drop, drop bear? bears. Yep. What's a drop bear? Uh, it's a koala bear. You walk okay. along underneath them, their tree, and they'll just jump out and land on your back and run their claws straight down your back. Hey. For real? No, not for real. Oh. <laughs> There's a whole internet <laughs> war. That's the Australian version of just getting punked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got it. <clears throat> All right, um... We have to go to some detailer meet and greets, but I think you said your pedometer, is that what it's called? Yes. You're walking, or was it yours? Uh, yeah, it was mine. How many I miles did you do today? Uh, well, I'm just getting out for today, but yesterday it was almost nine and a half miles with a 50-pound bag on my back. Yeah, and you didn't see like one one millionth of the oh, show, yeah. correct? No, I was out interviewing people, so. And Scotty's plugging know. his into his phone to figure out, I guess what I'm, while, you're, while you're loading that up, what I'm trying to get across here is we're actually sitting up top and I'm going to put this in the, the, the video, and looking down at the convention center, and we're really, really tall, you know, high up in this in our uh, LVH, the hotel, and it's as far as wide as we can possibly see in front of us right now is the size of this building. It is, how many football fields would you say that is? I mean, it's, oh, it's absurd. Probably 40. <laughs> yeah, I would it's, say 30, 40 football fields. Yeah. You could walk it the entire time. Chris and there's did, multiple floors. Multiple floors. And it spills out into the it's parking very, lots. You can't even like walk yeah. straight. That's the kind of thing that makes me a little crazy. How many? How many did you do today? So that was between. What is it? From nine? You got there like nine thirty, nine thirty, ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. So between ten and twelve thirty. Yeah, twelve thirty, one o'clock, when uh, we came up for this, uh, three and a half miles. And you saw nothing. Com- I no. didn't get to do any of the stuff I wanted to do. There's so much here that uh, it's almost overwhelming. It's it's too. Crazy. Scott, actually, could you pull that off the table? It's, we're getting some interference from the phone on the. Yeah, thank you. Cool. How about that? Yeah. That's really working. All right, so we got to go to some detailer meet and greets. Any, uh, any other thoughts, closing remarks, Chris? Uh, other than uh, listen to uh, Smoking Tire, although there's a good chance you might already if you're listening to this, and uh, The Hooniverse at uh, hooniverse.com. And uh, if you want a podcast, uh, head over to Shout Engine, and we'll get you up and running. You're, ki- five you're killing my plugs. I was going to plug you. Oh, you were? Okay. Uh, yeah, we were going to plug you. You have any plugs? Give your website, your Facebook. I, I'm certainly aware you have a Facebook page. Yeah, we have a Facebook you're page. playing with it all day long, keeping it posted up. I love it. You need to go to it, facebook.com forward slash custom car care wogger. And our website is www.customcarcarewogger.com.au. Wagga is W-A-G-G-A for those Americans that That's don't right. know what Wagga is. 
And it's .com or .au? .com.au. Oh, wow. Check it out. Amazing. Scotty, hit it. Uh, Plug something. <laughs> Tell them who you are. Tell them, uh, you know what? I'm going to give them your phone number right now. Everybody re- get ready to write this down. I'm just I'll give you the 1-800 number. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> um, Scotty Shine Shop. So that's Shine Shop, www.shineshop.ca. Facebook page is www.facebook.com backslash Scotty Shine Shop. Brilliant. And remember, what was the name of the podcast that you and I did? It was like... Uh, uh, I think it was number be, four. How to be profitable? So, or? Do, I think it was... Oh, the, so you want to open a detail shop. Right, right. That got a lot of play. It so that was, that's play. the Scotty we're Someone talking about. Someone emailed me about it today. Really? Uh, you'll have an email about it too. He, he sent it to both of us and I answered him back this morning. Was so. it a good something to talk about, or was it good or no? Uh, well, it was a guy who he had he works for a detailing operation someplace. I think it was Minnesota, and he, I guess he was alluding to the fact that he wasn't happy with the services that the guy that he works for offers. It was just a real quick, you know, just wash vacuums, no paint correction and whatnot. And he felt that he could do the paint corrections, and he had customers that were asking for it, but the boss didn't want him to. So he was kind of asking, is it? kosher do you think it's kosher for me to say to the guy who offered me uh, or wanted me to do this paint correction to do that on the side when i work for this other guy and he mm-hmm. just, it was some just some basic business questions yeah um and i answered him back and gave my opinion of what i think i thought he should do and well usually we have a facebook answer questions at the end and since i'm sitting in a hotel room in vegas and i don't have my all my stuff here this is like this is the question we're going to answer what did you answer I basically said, well, in my opinion, uh, and I think we've talked about this, in my opinion, you're only as good as your word. Mm-hmm. And when you work for somebody else, handling things the right way, and I've seen this happen a million times with guys that work for other vendors where you know, they'll kind of behind the guy's back, try and go to their customers and open their own business. Mm-hmm. And going about that stuff the right way for me, you're starting off on the wrong foot by kind of doing something, I, I don't want to say shady, but I don't think you're being forthright by going in when you're working for somebody. I can't agree with you more. Whether you like them or you don't like them, I think you have to give them a certain amount of respect that they're putting money in your pocket. And if you think you can do a better job or you want to go out and work on your own, I think you have a responsibility, in my opinion, to say, you know what? I just wanted to give you the courtesy of saying thank you for working for you. I think Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out on my own and I'm going to do this. And I hope that we can still remain on a a friendly basis, but I'm going to give this a shot doing what I'm going to do. And I bet you that guy would be like, that's great. Let me know if I can help you and yeah, do all those if, kind of if things. If you approach it the right way, True. I think that it just sets the tone. And I've had recently a vendor of mine who I've dealt with. He's the longest running vendor I've ever dealt with uh, since we've been open. I think I've done business with him for 18 years. He owns a business in, uh, in London that does fabric repairs, and he's awesome. Um, him and his partner are just amazing guys. They're really good people. They service the hell out of me. They do awesome work, which is the most important thing. And they had a guy working for them who, while he was still working for them, and he must have known this for months, uh, planned to leave and open his own business, and while he was still working for them, they found out, was going around to all their customers saying, um, I want your business. And So he was basically getting paid by this guy to go around and try and take all his customers. Yeah. And it's just not, obviously it came out, and I don't think he's gotten anybody out of the deal, because I've had people come and do that with me, and for me, if you're going to do something like that to the guy who pays your paycheck how mm-hmm. are you going to treat me as a customer yeah so my whole way of approaching a situation like that was said listen i just don't agree with kind of doing that it comes off as kind of deceptive and what are you going to do you're going to make 200 dollars and jeopardize your morals for 200 dollars. not that there's any price to jeopardize your morals but like seriously you're going to do it for 200 yeah. bucks and then so my thing was just like, you know come if on. you're going to do it 
leave, you can maybe send the guy, customer who's already asked you, mm-hmm. listen, you can say, I don't want to mess with what you're doing with him, mm-hmm. but if you need anything, I do do paint corrections, among other things, whatever, and if you need anything that he can't take care of, I'm happy to take care of you. But going behind your guy's back and doing stuff that... Here's the thing. I think just, most people know the right answer because he wouldn't have been asking the question. Yeah. He would have just done whatever he thought was right. But when, pe- when you start to think, hey, wait a second, something isn't right here, I, what should I do kind of thing? You are. You know. probably already know the right answer, and right. usually the right answer is the harder thing to do. It's always the hardest <laughs> so, thing to do. So, like, just do the right thing. Kind of. that, that's good. That's a good, uh, good place to leave off. Usually I have my, my Facebook questions, but that was, uh, that was cool. All right, so we're going to go because we have the detailers meet and greet for real. Um, so we got to go down, which is cool about SEMA, all really amazing detailers, including Scotty and Cam. I don't know about Chris. He's all right. But yeah. uh, we got to uh, go meet everybody. And then, uh, you know, we, we sit and we talk about these techniques and, you know, different business uh, sort of aspects. So definitely get to SEMA if you can. Of course, ShoutEngine.com, where the podcast lives and grows. And if you want yep. a podcast of your own, uh, what is it? Hayes Data at, at Twitter or whatever? How do, uh, how do yeah, I'm at Hayes Data on Twitter. Yeah. Um, Hit him so up there. Yeah. I'm always open to answer questions. Happy to do so. Yes. He's a hustler. He makes it happen, just like Cam. Uh, TST, I want to thank uh, LVH, hooking us up with this amazing suite. Uh, visit AmmoNYC.com, Facebook, AmmoNYC. Uh, YouTube, AmmoNYC, D-O-T-C-O-M, because they don't let the .com, which is annoying. Mm-hmm. And the Drive Channel for uh, Season 2, or maybe Season 3, hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Anyways, I'm out, guys. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon. Bye.